Thank you, Sharon. If that doesn't wake you up on a Sunday morning, nothing will. So, Welcome everybody this morning to church and welcome to those listening on the radio here from uh, the pulpit. We have a few announcements this morning. We have two roses on the altar this week uh, in honor of two couples celebrating wedding anniversaries. Uh, Wayne and Nancy Bambauer will celebrate 58 years Monday on the 16th. And Daryl and Mary Cook will celebrate 54 years on Thursday or Wednesday, July the 18th. So congratulations. We also have congratulations to Zach Lagerman and Paige Lehman, who were united yesterday in Christian marriage here at the church. Uh, Zach was the son of Mark and Sarah Lagerman, and Paige is the daughter of Jerry and Cindy Lehman. Uh, meeting reminders. On Monday night, Spiritual Council will meet in the conference room at 6.30. Trustees meet in the ministry center at 7, followed by the consistory meeting at 7.30. Pastor Joel has a couple announcements for us. Yeah, I just want to take a moment and, uh, and encourage uh, all of you who are able to consider signing up to help out in the nursery. Um, we got our clipboard, which usually hides, not hides, that's probably not a good word for it. Uh, it usually lives up here on the front pew of the sanctuary, and it's an opportunity for you to sign up uh, to help out in the nursery during these Sunday morning worship services. The nursery is a really important ministry at the church. Um, it allows uh, families with young kids to have that option to, to take their children down there uh, during the service so that they can uh, be able to focus and worship uh, during the service. And it's also a great opportunity to minister to those children. Um, the, in my mind, the nursery care is so much more than just the babysitting service. It's an opportunity to love on those kids, to pray for them, to, and to show them the love of Christ by caring for them while, while we are together for worship. Um, as, as usually, you know, what happens at the beginning of the year, we put this clipboard out and the first six months are, are signed up for and taken care of. And then you get to July and we realize that nobody has signed up for the second half of the year. So um, if you're able, uh, whether you have a young child or not, uh, we encourage you to take a moment and consider signing up for the nursery in order to help that ministry continue on and, uh, and be able to, to be a part of this regular worship service. So uh, I'm going to put this back on the front row by where those consistory packets are. And if you are able, I encourage you to come up and, and sign up for some Sundays so that we can continue to have that ministry here at the church. Thank you. And before we start worship this morning, we have one other special guest with us, uh, I guess two other special guests. Rick and Monica Habercamper here. Rick would like to share a little time with us uh, at the pulpit. And as you can see in the bulletin, there's uh, a little bio of Rick and what he's been doing for the last 40 years. So come on up, Rick. Thank you, Dave. Thanks a lot, Dave. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be back in First Church after an absence of about three and a half years. Um, first of all, we want to bring you greetings from the Evangelical Church churches in the Republic of Chad, just south of Libya, in Africa. Um, we are wearing these shirts, and if you look at it, you're going to say, well, Rick, have you forgotten how to spell Chad? Chad is C-H-A-D, right, in English. Well, in French, you add a T in front of it, so it's T-C-H-A-D, Chad. And French is one of the two official languages in Chad. We got French and Chad Arabic. So, um, Chad Connection, you have been 
uh, a part of this connection with Chad. Originally, we did these shirts for our family members, our kids and grandkids. And then um, we thought, well, we're wearing this today, really, to make a point. Because of your connection through us to Chad. You were not able to go to Chad, but you sent us out. In fact, I was sent out here in 1974 as a single guy. And I actually had two commissioning services sent out by First Church here and also by another church uh, in Van Wert, Ohio, Calvary Evangelical. So we had a kind of a double double commissioning, which was pretty neat, really. And um, you have faithfully prayed for us and given financially over the years. You stood behind us and we thank you so much for your part in what God uh, is doing and has done in Chad, Africa. We're retiring now from team, the Evangelical Alliance Mission, uh, after about 40 years with them. And um, we're going to retire and settle in Columbus, Ohio. Lord willing, we have three daughters, right? And two of them live in Columbus, and all seven of our grandchildren live there. Uh, Our third daughter is in Peoria, Illinois, uh, pregnant with her first one. But for now, everyone's pretty much in, uh, all the grandkids for sure, are all in Columbus. So we plan to settle there. We'll, we'll tell you, we can tell you more about that after in a ministry center, too. Um, so we just wanted to thank you one last time in person for your part in standing behind us in prayer and finances over the years. Thank you so much. Well, we say what has been done what, and what is being done, our ministry. We worked with Muslims uh, for about 21 years in the town of Bowl. Some of you remember We've been here before, town of Bowl. Think of a cereal bowl. This town of Bowl on the edge of Lake Chad. And um, we, didn't, we didn't see a lot of fruit from all those years. A few people put their trust in Jesus, but a lot of them did not. Uh, they're born and raised Muslims, so they just, that's, they just, they were going to die a Muslim as well. So, um, but these last three and a half years, this last term that we've been in Chad, we were really encouraged. And we'd love to tell you more about it. At the 1015 service, just after this service, uh, we can move to the ministry center and probably start around 1015. And we'd really love to see you. We'll have time for questions. There's a lot of good refreshments there, really some great goodies. Uh, so, um, uh, yeah, after, after spending some time here, uh, be refreshed. Come on over there. And it's some exciting stuff we'd like to tell you. Uh, some of it, it's like you're reading the book of Acts. Um, just things that God has done recently uh, with some of the MBBs. We've been working recently with MBBs. Do you know what that means? Muslim background believers. So these are people coming out of Islam who have now chosen to put their faith in Jesus and follow him. And it's a big step for them. A big, big step. So uh, I want to tell you some more about that. And uh, we'd love for you to, to come afterwards. So basically, we want to tell you what your part in our lives has accomplished for God's glory. So, please come, and thank you so much. May God bless you. Thank you, Rick. And now all that would are able, if you would please stand, we'll have our call to worship. <clears throat> for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every nation in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being, 
so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power and his work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Now we will continue to stand and sing our deep Father's love for us. invite the children to come down for children's chat, and Maria would also like to have any of the young people that were on their mission trip this week to join her. We'd ask that you greet your neighbors. How are you guys today? Good. Hey, well, see these two big boys over here? 
They did something pretty neat this week. Okay? Our junior high and high school kids, the big kids, they went on a mission trip. But they really didn't go anywhere. They just stayed here, and that's what made it even more cool. They stayed here. What do you think a mission trip is? Hmm, not exactly sure, are you, Olivia? Nope. A mission trip is when you what? You help other people. Yeah, you help other people. Who did you help this week? We helped out the Lima Soup Kitchen. They went to the Lima Soup Kitchen. What did you do there? We mainly talked with other people there that, that were just in there, and we helped out in the kitchen, like prepping the food, things like that. Okay, so they got to help feed people. They got to help get the food ready and actually served it. My daughter Tori told me she was the mashed potato girl. She put the mashed potatoes on everybody's tray and said hello to them. They also did a car wash, and they didn't make us pay. They did it for out of the kindness of their hearts. You know what else they did? They baked lots of cookies. And they shared them with people. And they went to the nursing home, and they shared them with people. Now, Michael, how did that make you feel when you were helping other people? Made you feel good, Matthew? Okay. So, yeah. Helping other people makes us feel good. How, how can you guys help other people? Do we have to go on a mission trip to help somebody? You think we do, Courtney? Well, then every day is a mission trip day. Okay? Every day. We can pretend like we're going on a mission trip and we can help somebody. How can you help somebody? Feeding them. <gasps> yeah. Do you help feed your baby brother? Do you help take care of him? Yeah. And does that make you happy inside? Yeah. When we help other people, it makes us feel happy inside. Do you help mommy? Yeah. Yeah. You help your mom too? Okay. Clean out the dishwasher, pick up your toys. Yeah. Those are ways that we help people, and that makes us feel good inside. Yeah, so we don't have to go far away. We can, but we don't have to because we can help people right here, okay? And in our, in our scripture today that we're reading, it says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that's an important thing to remember. We feel better when we give to other people than when we receive things from other people. So that's our key for today. It's better to give than receive. Let's say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this week. Thank you for the opportunity that our junior high and high school had to go out and and give. And then the things that they received in return for that giving was something that they can't see, but something they can take with them forever. Help us to learn how to be Jesus' hands and feet. In his name we pray. Amen. All right. Have a great day. Keep in mind the family and friends of soldiers killed in Afghanistan in the last week. In Uzgan province in Afghanistan, Corporal Joseph Manciel, 20 from Southgate, California, and in Paktiga province, 
Sergeant First Class Christopher Andrew Salise, 32, from Somerville, South Carolina. Also lost in the United Arab Emirates at Al Dhafar Air Force Base, Staff Sergeant James T. Krotjan, 26, from Waterford, Connecticut. Good morning. I just wanted to come up here and give you all a quick update of our week this week. Um, And I have to say, you know, when God wrecks your plans, it's usually for the best, um, because this week was amazing. Our students, I could not be more proud of them. They are just so awesome. They went in to this week. We were kind of not not knowing what we were going to do. We had all of our sites set up. We had all of our stuff ready to go. Uh, but we didn't really know what to expect because, you know, when you're serving at home, yeah, you've been to all these places, um, but you never know what projects they're going to give you to do. Um, so we started our week off at the soup kitchen, and we worked at nursing homes. We worked in town. We did a lot of projects around the church. Um, and I just have to say our students really connected, one, to each other, um, to the Lord, but also to the people that they were serving. I've never seen a group of students just jump all in and engage the way that our kids did. Um, they were sitting with people they didn't know. When we went to the nursing homes, they, were, they went to every single room and said hi to all the residents. We baked cookies with them. Uh, we did music stuff with them. It was just a really good week. Um, we also had a lot of fun serving in our own town. Uh, we did a car wash. We baked a lot of cookies. Um, we did a prayer walk to end our day around New Knoxville. So we stopped at the school, and we stopped at the um, Methodist church. We also stopped at different businesses and delivered cookies while we were out there as well. Um, and it was just such a good week. It was a good week for our students to see that they can be the hands and feet of Christ in our own neighborhood and in our own town. But it was also a really good week for them to get out of their comfort zones. They really committed to engaging in every single aspect of that trip. Um, So if you see one of the students here and you have more questions about the trip, please feel free to ask them. They will tell you all about it. Um, And it was really a great week. So thank you so much, church, for all of your prayers, for your help, for even coming out to the cookout. Uh, That was really fun. We had about 150 people come to that. So it was really good turnout on a really hot day. Um, But yeah, I encourage you just to go and talk to them and ask them what their experience was um, and just see the things that they did and how God moved in their life. But thank you. Thank you again for all of your support and all of your prayers. We really, really appreciated them throughout the week. Thanks. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are... um, Lord, grateful for for who you are and and all that you're doing within our youth group and the mission trip, uh, within our church and our community, Lord. Uh, We pray now that you would uh, continue to work, continue to inspire us to to live for you and and, and spread the gospel through our words and through our actions. And I pray, Lord, that that our, our efforts in doing so would not be confined to just one week or just one trip. But, but it would be a lifelong commitment to you and serving you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and, and, and loving others in the way that you've loved us. 
Uh, Lord, we pray now for, for the concerns that we know are before us within our church, with our community. Uh, we pray today for our friend over here um, who, and, the, and those that are not dealing well with the heat. We pray for strength and we pray that your spirit would be with them to comfort them and to guide them. Uh, we also lift up the concerns that are listed before us in our bulletin. Um, some new names, some names that have been there for a while, Lord. Um, you know exactly what is needed and you know what's going on. And so we pray that you would uh, just just be there and, and work your will in those situations. Um, Lord, in, in so many ways, we are uh, unaware or incapable of, of knowing what's going on in someone's heart or what situation people are going through. Uh, but Lord, you can use us to help answer those prayers. And so I pray that you would give us a willingness to seek after you and to, to be the answer to prayers in those situations. Lord, we, we lift up um, our church our community, our nation, our world to you. We pray that you'd give all of us a hunger and thirst for righteousness because you say that we will be filled uh, as we seek after you. And I pray that our hearts and our minds would be focused on you, especially this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I invite those at this time who are helping with the offering to come forward. Thank you. I feel discouraged and why should the shadows come why was my heart be lonely aching for heaven and home Jesus as my portion, a constant friend is He, for His eye is on the sparrow. And I know He watches me. His eye is on the sparrow. And I know that He Don't you know that I see
touches me. Jesus watches me. those of you who are able, please remain standing for our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Acts chapter 20 verses 17 through 38. From Miletus, Paul sent out to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from, the, and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit... I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be the shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples for them. So be on guard. Remember, for three years I have never stopped warning each of you, night and day, with tears. Now I commit to you God and the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. 
What grieved them the most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. And now if you would open up your hymnals to number 293, Rise Up, O Church of God. This passage we have before us today, if you remember last week, we talked about Paul and Ephesus and, and, uh, and uh, events that he encountered there, um, and, and we're skipping ahead, and he's actually giving them a farewell address here. He'd actually left Ephesus for some time. He, these fans are going to make my notes interesting up here. I might need to use this hymnal here. Um, the, he had traveled and, and made his way back through Macedonia and Greece where he had been before encouraging the churches and then he ended up back um, near Ephesus and he sent, uh, sent some message to, to the elders of the church there and, and asked them to come and so he could speak to them one last time before he headed back to Jerusalem. As you can tell from this passage, he knew that they were probably not, he was probably not going to be receiving a warm welcome as he returned to Jerusalem. He knew that, that his, he would probably not be returning to Ephesus again. And so this was his opportunity for them to say goodbye. And so it was really a, a kind of a farewell address for Paul here in this passage. Now I want to make this very clear. This is Paul's farewell address, not mine. Um, I don't want any of you to get ideas or anything like that. Um, we're going to be talking about what Paul ha- some of Paul's parting words here and some of the wisdom that he shared with them. Uh, but I do think that they apply very well to us as a church. See, this is a very unique passage in the book of Acts because up until this point, we've seen Paul preach in a lot of different settings. He'd spent time in synagogues preaching to the Jewish people who had a, a good understanding of God and, and all that he had been doing through his people throughout the generations. And he then opened up, uh, opened up the scriptures and shared Christ with them in that context. Paul also spent a lot of time sharing the gospel with Gentiles, with those non-Jewish people that didn't have a background in the scriptures and what God had been doing. And so he shared the gospel in that context as well, preaching and teaching them about the work of Christ. And we see an example of that when he was in Athens preaching on Mars Hill. 
Uh, but here is a unique passage because this is the only speech we have recorded of Paul where he's addressing Christians. He's addressing people who have already put their faith in Christ and is encouraging them to stay strong in the faith and to, to work towards uh, advancing the gospel through their church and through their communities. And so it's very unique in that sense, but, but it's not alone. We have Paul's letters to the churches, including the church at Ephesus, and the tone and what Paul's writing here lines up very well with those words that he wrote years later um, to those churches. And so, so what we're going to be looking at today is Paul's message to, to Christians, Paul's message to a church, and, and encouraging them to remain faithful and encouraging them to stay strong in the Lord. And there's four things I want us to notice here as we take a look at this passage today. The first two of them have to deal with Paul's own example, how he lived among the people at Ephesus and, and how we can follow his example of what it looks like to be committed to Christ. Um, and also we see two charges, two, um, two instructions that he gives the church there, asking them to, to continue to follow his example and live out the faith long after he's gone. And so we're going to be looking at those four things in turn. So the first part I want you to notice is Paul's commitment among the people there in Ephesus to preach the gospel and live it out in everything that he did. Uh, In verses 20 and 21, Paul tells them this. He says, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught, excuse me, you have know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must trust in God and repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. That was Paul's main message. Everywhere he went, including Ephesus, his message, his goal was to preach the gospel and share the good news of Jesus Christ. And he he was unashamed to do so. He was unashamed to share the good news of Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith, first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. See, the gospel is is central to everything Paul did. Everything he did in his ministry was about sharing and preaching and living out the gospel. And so for us as a church, we need to make that the main thing as well. We need to make sharing the gospel, preaching the gospel, and and living it out, not just while we're here at church, but in everything we do in our lives, the main thing. Paul wrote later in his letter to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. He talked about how the gospel was the most important thing. He says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Now, hear what he says. Here's the very essence of the gospel. This is what he says is more important than anything else. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the Gospel. That's the message right there, that Christ died for our sins and that he rose again according to the Scriptures. That's the central message of our faith. And that's what Paul shared. And it says here, he shared it door to door. 
Of course, he preached in the synagogues, he preached in the marketplace, but he also preached in a very personal way. You see, sharing the gospel is more than just what I do on Sunday mornings from the pulpit. It's more than just what, what people like Rick and Monica do in the mission field and when they have opportunities to, to share in this sort of context. Preaching the gospel and sharing the gospel is about the way you live your life and modeling it and being an example of that each and every day. So you can preach the gospel when you're at work. You can preach the gospel when you're home with your family. You can preach the gospel when you're getting groceries at Kroger, right? And it's by how you live your life and it's by setting an example for others to follow. Not, not an example in, 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 in of yourself, but by pointing people to Jesus, by modeling our life after His so that people, when they see us, they can see Jesus living through us and shining through us. So preaching the gospel is more than just standing up at the pulpit and, and preaching, but it's about, about that personal connection that we can have with others. And so, so the gospel must be our first, our first priority. It must be the focus of everything we do, including our preaching and teaching, and everything we do as a church. You know, we have a, a, a blessing to be on the radio every week. Uh, we, we have an opportunity to, to have our services broadcast so that people who aren't physically able to be here with us can still hear and participate in our church service. They hear the music, they hear the children's chat, which, by the way, Maria and Carolyn and Shelby and Nikki and all those that have, that have done that, uh, I often hear that that is one of the things uh, that people enjoy the most. Uh, they talk about the children's chat as, a, as a, a wonderful part of the service, and sometimes I think they get more out of that than they do my sermons, but that's okay. But all of those things are part of that service and, and part of what gets broadcast over the radio, and that's such a blessing because... Because whether it's shut-ins or nursing home or, or random people just flipping through the radio dial, they hear all those parts of the service and, and they're able to participate in that way. But there's a downside to that. We have 60 minutes. That's what we get on the radio. And, and I know this has happened before, right? I could be mid-sentence and we're cut off. And so we have to really consider how we use our time and, and, and how we... Uh, and what our focus is during those, during those 60 minutes. Because we want to have the gospel preached. We want the gospel to be the center of everything we do. And so we want that to be communicated uh, during our services in that way. Now, one of the stories that I, I skimmed over here during that, during that interlude between last week's sermon and this week's, when Paul was traveling around to those different cities, there's this interesting story, and I wasn't sure what to do with it, but I, f- I feel like it fits in here. Paul, as he was preaching in one of these cities, it says that there were many people gathered in a house and, and Paul had gone on for hours and hours preaching the good news. And there was this one man who was resting in the window. And as he was preaching, it says that he fell asleep and fell out of the window and died. Paul went out and he ends up, you know, he, he heals the man. He brings him back to life through the power of Jesus. And, 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 and so he, it says that he goes back up and Paul continued to preach until dawn. Now, thankfully, we only have 60 minutes, so you guys don't have to worry about that. Uh, I have to keep my messages short and succinct. Um, some of you may still nod off from time to time, but, but hopefully none of you are going to be falling out of windows or out of the balcony or anything like that. Um, and, and I share that with you because the gospel is, is, is big enough to preach for hours and hours on end, and you'll never exhaust it. You'll never have enough time to share all of the good things and all of the good news that the gospel contains. That Jesus died for our sins and rose again so that he is alive today at the right hand of the Father and interceding for us. 
And we have access to the creator of the universe because of what Jesus Christ, his son, has done for us. You can never, run, you can never have enough words, enough ink to spill, to, to, to exhaust all that that means and all that that entails. Um, but with the time that we have and the focus that we have, we need to make sure that gospel is our first priority. And we need to make sure that we keep that the focus of what we do. That's what Paul did in his ministry, and that's what we need to do in our ministry here at First Church. Second thing I want you to notice from Paul's example is that he humbly completed the task that was before him. In verse 24, he tells them, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. See, Paul considered his life to be nothing for the sake of the gospel. He was willing to give up everything to hear the gospel preached, to hear the good news advanced, so that more and more people would know the Lord. And where did Paul get that sort of focus from? How, what example was he following? He was following the example of Christ. And we see that in Philippians chapter 2. Jesus himself was willing to set aside everything for us. And so it just goes that we would follow suit and follow in his example. Philippians 2, beginning of verse 5, says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, Jesus was willing to set aside everything. The very God who created the universe came in the form of a human being, set aside all that glory in order to live, to die, and to rise again, all for our sake. And so we must be willing then to give up everything in order to advance that gospel. We need to put God and others first in our priority list. There's a great ministry out there called I Am Second. You can go to their website. They have testimonies and and, uh, videos of people famous and, and not so famous talking about how they, the moment that they realized that they needed to put themselves second and put Christ first in their lives. And it's a great, great ministry, and there's a lot of good things being done there just by simply sharing that, that idea of, of our need to put Christ first in our lives. And we have a, uh, an example here with us today of Rick and Monica and all that they've done in their years and, and decades of ministry. They were willing to, to put aside the comforts. They were willing to put aside the plans that they had for their life in order to serve God in Africa. But I'm here to tell you today that you don't need to go to Africa to do that. You don't need to, to, to move halfway around the world to serve God. We can do that right here in New Knoxville in our surrounding communities. This is our mission field. This is our opportunity to, to love on, on, on people with the love that God has shown us. And we can do that here as we gather and worship, and we can do it as we walk out these doors and, and go about our lives the rest of the week. We can, we can put God first by being willing to show the love of Christ to everyone. Paul mentioned on several occasions all that he went through for the gospel, the things that he suffered, the trials that he faced. 
And he does that to encourage us to be willing to do the same. We've talked already a lot about Paul's hardships, so we don't need to go into it today. But Paul suffered a lot. And he did so willingly so that the gospel could be advanced. I ended our, our, my sermon last week with a very personal kind of question. I said, what are you willing to give up in order to follow Jesus more closely? What's in your way? What, what's hindering you in your walk with Christ? And are you willing to give that thing up in order to follow Him? And I want to I want to expand on that question for just a moment because we, I think, need to ask ourselves that not just on an individual level, but as a church. What are we willing to give up as a church? What are we willing to do in order to see the gospel advanced in this church and in this community? I think it's important for us to ask that question. How, what, what are the things that are getting in our way of, of seeing the gospel proclaimed and preached on a regular basis? And people experiencing the grace of Christ in their lives. What are we willing to give up as a church to see the gospel advanced? We must be willing, I believe, and it starts with me, to set aside our preferences in order to to make the gospel our priority. We need to be willing to set aside what we think is best in order to to strive after the, the, the gospel together. And that may come in a lot of different shapes and sizes, but we must be willing to ask that question and we must be willing to set aside anything that gets in the way of us pursuing the gospel together and proclaiming it here in this community. And so that's what we see from Paul's life. And we see two things as well, (coughs) excuse me, from the charge that he gives these Ephesian elders. And the first thing he tells them is to keep watch, to keep watch over the flock and, and, and to keep watch over themselves as well. And, and I understand here that Paul is speaking to the leaders of that church, but I believe that we all have a role to play. Leadership isn't just for people with a title, right? We have elders, we have deacons, we have trustees, we have pastors, we have youth directors, right? We have people in all these different positions, and they're there for a reason. God has entrusted them to, to lead and to guide this church. But, but just because you're not an elder, just because you don't have that title in front of your name, doesn't mean you don't have a role to play. See, leadership is earned, it's not given. And so we all have an opportunity to lead and to guide in our own way. We all have an opportunity to, to serve this church whether we are officially recognized in that way, in that capacity or not. And so I believe Paul is speaking to all of us. One of the, the great uh, um, truths that were reclaimed during the Protestant Reformation is that, that the idea of the priesthood of all believers that all of us are called to live on mission for God, that all of us are called to proclaim the gospel. And so all of us are also called to encourage and build one another up as the body of Christ. You know, we're responsible, in a sense, for one another. Paul uses the analogy here, and and we see it throughout Scripture, of, of, of referring to leaders as shepherds. And shepherds were people... Uh, who, who protected and guided and, and provided for their flock. And so in the same way, we need to look out for each other by protecting and defending each other, having each other's back, and being first and foremost using God's Word as a, as a tool for, for correction and guidance and building one another up. 
Paul here warns about false teaching and false teachers coming into the church. And we know that throughout church history, that has been a danger that is ever present. But the one way to defend against counterfeits is by becoming intimately familiar with the real thing. I've heard that before in banks. The way they teach people to detect counterfeit bills and counterfeit money isn't to study the counterfeits necessarily, but it's to study the real authentic bill become so familiar with it, become so intimate with, with that bill that, that counterfeits stick out like a sore thumb because they know what the real thing is. And again, that's the importance of knowing the gospel. That's the importance of, of knowing scripture and of being in the word all the time is that, that the more you, you know Christ, the more you know his word, the stronger you become in your relationship with him, the easier it will be for you to, to notice when something isn't quite right. To notice when something isn't lining up with God's will as it's revealed to us in his word. And so as a church, we need to encourage each other to be in God's word. We need to encourage each other to be prayerful. We need to encourage each other to develop that relationship with Christ so that we can continue to build and on, those, on, on that foundation that God has given us. And we need to follow the example of the good shepherd. In John chapter 10, Jesus describes himself as that good shepherd. The one who watches out for his flock. The one who guides and protects and ultimately lays his life down. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, elders are once again described as shepherds. Shepherds are, are, are present with, they know, they provide, they protect their flock. And that's what God is calling us to do for each other. Jesus is the head of the church. He is the chief shepherd. And we must follow his example and his servant leadership. And again, that, that goes for, our, for myself as pastor, that goes for our elders and our deacons and trustees, but all of us are called to live that out. All of us are called to watch and to guide each other and to build one another up in the faith. See, we're all in this together. We're not just a bunch of individuals gathered here together, but we're called as one body, his church, and so we're called to, to care for and nourish each other through, through God's word as well. And finally, we're called here to, to build on God's grace for the future. I want to read verse 32 once again for you, because the first time I read this over, I didn't quite, didn't quite catch this, but I, I want to highlight this for us. Now I commit you to God, Paul says, and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you inheritance among all those who are sanctified. See, Paul's desire is to see them build on God's word, not just for the present, but for the future. God's word is that foundation that we build upon, and, and he is the constant. His word is the constant from generation to generation. Everything else may change. The culture we live in, the society we live in, the time, the place, the geography, all that stuff changes. But God's word, his gospel remains consistent. And so we can build on it and we can know for sure uh, that it's a firm foundation. And so it says here that as we do that, as we commit ourselves to God, the word of God's grace, that we will receive an inheritance. And that inheritance, it's future oriented. And that, that goes on an individual level, right? There's the inheritance that we receive from our own relationship with Christ. That promise and that hope of eternal life. That as we trust in God's promises, as we trust in what Christ has done for us, we are received into his kingdom. We, are, we become children of God and we, are, we no longer have to fear what is to come because we know that we are in Christ. He has removed our sinfulness and we receive his, 
his righteousness in its place. But I think Paul is saying something a little bit more than that, too. Not just on an individual level, but I believe he's talking here. Remember, he's, he's addressing a church. And so I believe he also has in mind not just that individual inheritance that we have in Christ, but also the future of our church. Faithfully preparing our church, our ministry here for future generations. You see, maintaining a physical building takes a lot of time and effort and resources, right? We know that. We've had to have discussions over the past year of the various things that need to be done in this church to keep, keep it going. We, we meet in a very old church building, and, and it takes resources and money and time and effort to keep this building up and running. But you know what? The same is true for, for us as the church, as the body of Christ, it takes time and effort and resources and commitment and courage and faith to see this church body continue to grow and be healthy, not just now, but for future generations as well. You know, it doesn't just happen by accident. We can't allow God's church to go into disrepair any more than we want to see this physical building fall into disrepair. And so... You know, seeing that ministry, you know, wanting to see that ministry flourish for generations to come, that begins now. We need to, we need to set our sights on the gospel. We need to make that our priority so that we are a healthy, growing, vibrant church now. And we're preparing our future to be the same. I know there's a lot of people here in this church and, and probably listening on the radio that have been faithfully committed to the first church in New Knoxville for for more than de- for decades, right? For their entire lives. How wonderful would it be to see this church vibrant and healthy and growing, not just now, but when your children are your age, when your grandchildren are your age. I mean, I, I my hope and my prayer is that first church in New Knoxville is 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 healthier and stronger than ever a hundred years from now. But that doesn't just happen by accident. We need to lay the foundation now for the future to come. We need to be willing to, to set aside our preferences. We need to be willing to focus on the gospel so that, so that we have a healthy, vibrant church now and for generations to come. And that's not easy. Just like I said, maintaining this physical building takes time and effort and resources. The same is true now, but it's worth it. You know, this, just this past week I got to see... Um, what that future holds in the youth mission trip, getting to participate with them. And there were some amazing experiences there. And seeing those kids serving God by serving their community was amazing. And the impact they had, not just in their own lives, but, but in the community and the people they interacted with, I'm sure was great. And I was reminded, though, that, you know, we often talk about our children and our youth are, are, are the future of our church, which is true. But they're not just the future. They're the present, too. And so we need to invest in them. We need to see them grow and mature because they're the ones that will be stepping up and taking places of leadership in the future. And so as we, as we talk about what it means to focus on the gospel, as we talk about what it means to have a lifelong devotion to Christ, I, I don't want that just to be for our lifetime. I don't want that just to be for our youth group's lifetime. I want that to be for generations to come. And I hope you feel the same way as well. 
And so just as Paul encouraged the Ephesian church to stay strong and to, to keep watch over each other and commit themselves to God's word and his grace, I want us to do the same thing as well. Commit as individuals to, to serve and to know the Lord, but I want us as a church to commit to knowing Christ, preaching his gospel today and for generations to come. Let's commit to doing that together. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word, which is constant and true and will last forever, long after we are gone. I thank you for this church that has been a a pillar in this community for generations. And I pray, Lord, that as we look to, to where you've called us now and where you're calling us in the future, I pray that our focus would be on you, that we would learn to to preach the gospel and everything we do and make that our first priority so that you can continue to use this church for your kingdom and your glory for generations to come. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Now, if my bulletin didn't blow away, I will tell you what hymn we are going to sing. We are, if you'd like to stand and join us in closing, we'll sing number 292, God of Grace and God of Glory. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. I want to invite you once again, uh, if you're able, to, to stick around for Rick and Monica's presentation uh, over in the Ministry Center. They'll be getting started in about 10 minutes or so. So make your way over there and have some refreshments. Thank you.